The Raw Rugby Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast. I'm Brett McKay. The Super Rugby Pacific Playoffs are beginning to shape themselves. Saracens have claimed the English Premiership that didn't involve secondary accounts and shelf companies. And Munster have reminded the United Rugby Championship that there is another Irish team capable of lifting cups. Your place for the biggest and best rugby discussion is the raw.com.au, Australia's biggest sporting debate. Genuinely one of the funniest chats we've had in our short podcast history with Ned Hannigan last week. And thanks for tuning in from wherever you found it. It's rocketing up the charts and up our our playlist and everything already. If you've not heard it yet, please do go and check it out. You definitely will not be disappointed. Joining me this and every week, a man who was quick to restore the status quo of pod travel budget, budget drainage, coming to us from a weekend in the noted rugby stronghold of Barcelona. Harry Jones. How's it? Si, How's senor. It? Yes. You know, so in Barcelona, they speak uh, Catalan. Mm. And uh, I was, I was there for, among other things, I was there for a Coldplay concert. Um, <laughs> and Chris Martin struck me as a perfect 10. And I realized, so I, I read that he comes from, from Exeter and mm. played a bit of rugby in school. But he look, doesn't he look like a 10? He looks like one of those 10s. The front man. He's very good at working the crowd. I could imagine him working the ref pretty well. Um, he just has that feel. So that's what I decided to do is, is to turn my Coldplay concert into an essay on the front men of rugby. And look at them, Dan Bigger, Johnny Sexton, Owen Farrell, Andre Pollard, Quade Cooper. These guys are like matinee film idols. <laughs> They're the uh, handsome uh, boys of rugby. Yako, uh, 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 um, yeah, look, um, <laughs> like... I'm really not, you know, sure that that's the way that that really played out. And, you know, <laughs> I don't know. That's possibly the worst Chris Martin impersonation there is ever. <laughs> like, he worked the crowd, man. He brings people yeah. up from the, from the stands. He had Gypsy Kings out there. He had churches on there. Churches is a good band. And uh, they had, uh, yeah, it was, they knew how to do the work the crowd. So that's, yeah. that's my anal- analogy to the good number 10. And number 10 knows how to, to, uh, He's the conductor, the conductor yes, of the team. Yep. Indeed, indeed, indeed. Heroes and zeros, mate, and this is going to be so easy for you. The hero for this week is John Arfour, who became the oldest player in Super Rugby history when he debuted for the Crusaders at 39 years and 200-plus days, uh, flew in from France, having just played, just wrapped up his, his, his French Division Two season, Realizes he needed boots, couldn't find any in his local sports store where he landed. <laughs> so what did he do? This is his own telling this. He says, I called Mr. Adidas, Dan Carter. <laughs> <laughs> Pair of boots were shipped down to Christchurch for him. He plays his 496th first class game. And now, in theory, the Super Rugby Pacific final could be game number 500. See, now there's a handsome front man, Dan Carter, and he delivered. <laughs> Afoa played well. I mean, it was he not just did. a cameo. Yeah. No, he, he played 60 minutes and he scrummed well, carried well, and it's not at all unfeasible that he plays the last month now. He was a he was a cult hero in England. Like his club yeah. and the town, the towns he lived and played in, they love him still. So he's a yeah. he's a trier. He, he definitely goes hard. 
Very, very much so. Very much so. so hit, me with, hit me with a zero, mate. And now let's just put it in context. You're fresh from a weekend in Barcelona, but you're not actually in Barcelona anymore. No, Where are you and why? Look, I, I think I'm prevented by, by the Royal Espionage Secrets Act of uh, Catalonia from, uh, from explaining exactly what happened. But we were whisked, we were whisked from, an, from the airport itself to a, an unknown location on three buses. We're so far away. We were in swamps and marshes. I don't know where I was, but they moved the flight up by an hour and they added this you know, mystery location in a hangar. So it ended up that you know I couldn't talk to Colin. Uh, so we're we're going back in time. This is like a future a time bit, travel yeah. thing. But like I I missed <laughs> I missed the conversation with CEO Colin, which was very sad. Um, so actually, that's not my zero. My zero is uh, allow me to make a nuanced point because we cannot do that on Twitter. Uh, our television match officials. So mm-hmm. for a long time, we've tried to say that it's not about the foulness of an act, it's about the damage of the act, because we need to make sure that people want to play our game and not have broken necks and busted heads. But we have an actual broken neck this week. Yes. And when the the TMO sees nothing a foul, which may or may not be true, all I'm saying is it sends a jarringly strange message when Mm. you actually look at the tackles and there was not a lot of arms in either one of them, and it was the proverbial two-man tackle, and Mm. a man has his neck broken. Uh, TMO in over in uh, in the in the in the Saracens sale match um, overturns the ruling on the field and says just the tip the tip of the ball touched the the line he did for, yes. for a brief second and I felt the whole thing was very strange because usually if the ref says I need clear and convincing evidence and you really didn't see very much uh, and and the TMO just came on very strong and said it was over I I just think we need to get our TMOs in line before. We go to the big World Cup and get this sorted out because yeah. I find it very difficult to make any consistency with what mm. they do when they when they intervene, how strong they are. It's almost like a strong ref says, "No, I don't want to hear from you," or yeah. "Tell me something," but then I wave you off. And other TMOs yeah. say, "Referee, you must award the try." Yeah, yeah, so, it's a fair, it's a fair point. It's a fair point. And and, and when you're mm. in the stands, that 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 yeah. thing is not really well known. I mean, I don't think you hear it. So. You're literally mm. sitting there for ten minutes, five minutes waiting, and you don't know what's going on. I, I just think we have to sort that out before the World Cup. Yeah, no, that's a fair point, and it's it's always going to great when there is a major injury, um, like Conor Best suffering a fracture in his neck, and Queensland would have absolutely referred the tackle onto the siding commissioner, and he, they, I should say, uh, I don't know who it is, they would have followed their process as outlined by the World Rugby Foul Play process. And if they can't find it reaches red card threshold or even an off-field warning threshold, then that's it. It can't go any further. And that's where we are at the moment. And that's where Queensland find themselves with a number of their issues, with a number of tackles in recent weeks that they're not, they look bad, but they're not meeting foul play threshold. Which for the sport itself, though, is difficult because then it says that a completely legal thing happened that broke someone's that resulted neck. In a so, bad injury. Yes. So we're saying that the sport is inherently extremely dangerous, which yeah. is exactly the opposite of what they were trying to do. So I just think there's bigger minds than yours and I will have to get together and maybe we can uh, have Hamish McLennan solve this problem so he can keep him busy. Yeah, we'll add that to his list. We'll add that to his list. You've alluded to the fact there that we are speaking 
after uh, our chat with Crusader CEO Colin Mansbridge, which is a fantastic chat that will come here come up in just a second. Um, and so, yes, it's a a matter of timing thing, unfortunately, that Harry wasn't able to join me for it. But it is a, a great chat, very very much worth listening to, um, and timely actually that we spoke to Colin, given that everything is starting to hot up around the formation of the agreed and announced independent commission for Super Rugby Pacific. The Raw Rugby Podcast. To our new studio in Christchurch we go this week, where with the Super Rugby Pacific Finals a bit over a week away, we welcome to the Raw Rugby Podcast the man who oversees the most successful professional rugby franchise in the world, Crusader CEO Colin Mansbridge. Colin, g'day, welcome to the pod. Kia ora, Britt. Uh, thanks, mate. Yeah, yeah it's uh, great to be here. You, um, you you sent me a message last week when we teed this up and you said you'd be in your Crusaders pyjamas. That looks awfully like a polo shirt, I've got to say. Oh, you haven't seen what's down below, mate. Um... <laughs> Excellent. Very good. Very good. You've uh, you've you've warmed to this. You've warmed to this very very well. Um, mm. I mentioned John R. Four in our uh, in our intro. There, tell me when when the coach walks into your office and tells you that he's found an injury replacement tight head prop, and oh, there's just one thing. He's forty. What, how do you? What's the right and wrong reaction to that? I think the, the challenge with Razor is every time he comes into your office, it's it's never a short conversation. It always <laughs> takes a while, and it's always something really out of left field. Yeah. So, um, it, you know, um, this Pablo Matera might want to play Super Rugby. How do you feel about him coming to us? Oh, right. So, um, <laughs> you know, he's he's got some. So he's got some good ideas. That guy, but um, yeah. yeah, no, but most of them are worth having a go at. No doubt. Is he um, is he one of those coaches that will start off with something that he just knows you're going to bat away so that he can actually get what he wants across the line? I think, no, he, he's, he's um, we did this exercise called dotting inside the place. It's sort of a, 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 a quite a summarised personality profiling thing. He's what we call a purple dot, which means really visionary thinking, expansive yeah. thinking, uh, lots of good ideas. So the, the challenge with Razor is he'll come in with 50 and uh, and there's only about two that are executable, but um, but you never stop them. You never close it down. There's always one worth listening to, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. We start the pod every week the same way, Colin. That's simply to say or to ask, what stood out for you on on the on the weekend? I think the um, uh, well, actually, today's game, um, uh, seeing Australian uh, under twenty side beat a Kiwi yes. under twenty side. Um, bodes well for maybe some of the development that's going on. Um, and I think the uh, on the weekend, probably a little bit surprised by the performances of some of the Australian teams. I thought they mm. were sort of on a bit of a, a an uphill, um, or, or, you know, heading uphill. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, probably a couple of performances there that not quite where they need to be for finals um, time. But, uh, yeah, unfortunately. But, um, but I, I think underlying there is a, there's lots of capacity there it's just not mm. quite there yet yeah um, it's certainly better to be playing those games in round 14 than it is a quarter yeah. or a semi-final isn't it yeah yeah you hope so and and i think you know there's some like the first five minutes of the chiefs game, the first three minutes of the chiefs game i thought wow it's all on here and yes. then it's um it, it, you know they settled in for their 200 plus tackles and um and, you know, we got the result we did. So, And that was interesting, interesting in itself because it looked like there was a concerted effort of the Chiefs to, to say, 
all right, we're not going to risk any early yellow cards here. And they were, you know, actively pulling out of, of, of breakdown contests and all that. And then Luke Jacobson scores that first try against the run of play, realistically, off the back of the scrum. And and they're away. And that's pretty much how the Chiefs have been playing this year, isn't it? Well, and I think a lot of coaches, don't know, they say to you that uh, games, championships are built on defence. I think Munster yeah. would say that after their, um, their URC championship win on the weekend. Yeah. They'd say to you, they're built on defence, really good defence, and then and capitalising on opportunities when they arise. And I think, uh, you, you know, some of the best results are, you know, 160, 180, 200 odd tackles, and then yes. every time an opportunity presents itself, you, you convert it. And sort of, um, I don't think that's changed much over the years. Actually, I think you still have no. to stop them scoring more than you hope to score. So. Mm. Yet to yet to see many games decided the other way around. It seems to be yeah, the, the yeah. one ad, ad thing that's 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 stuck through. It's it's been really mm. interesting. I I watched the uh, the Premiership Grand Final on uh, yeah, on yeah. Saturday Saturday night late our time. Actually Sunday morning by the time it kicked off and a brilliant game. It ebbed and yeah, flowed. Yeah. Um, Saracens and Sale and the last half an hour had everything. You know, um, Saracens would kick a. 50-22 and then mm-hmm. sail and pinch the line out. And there'd be turnover and turnover and turnover and intercept tries. And it was just a, an absolutely phenomenal game. And in the end, I actually feel like the 10-point scoreline was rough on the Sharks because yeah, yeah. They, they weren't a 10-point worse side. No, the, the momentum shifts throughout. Out, there were, you know, I think I can't remember what time it was, but so midway through that second half, I thought they were gone. I thought the series were gone, and um, mm. and all the momentum was with the Sharks. And they scored that try. Replacement hooker came on, scored that try, yes. and uh, I thought suddenly we're, we're away here, and um, and they've broken the back. But uh, shows the qualities of Saracens, doesn't it? You know, they just um, they does. stuck at it, and um, yeah, but it was awesome. It was an awesome occasion. Um, really, really had great. everything. Yeah, yeah, mm. really great, really great mm. atmosphere. I thought Luke Pierce was. Really, really good with the whistle. Like, communicated brilliantly well um, to both sides. It was, it was, it was really, think, really good. I think that's the thing with the old referees at the moment, isn't it? If the game's a bit complex, and I heard a couple of people talking uh, in the stands on our game on the weekend, mm. and they're saying we need to be able to hear uh, in the venue what the referee's saying. And, the venue, um, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get that sense is actually the game is quite complicated and mm. and we, we therefore, we're always looking for ways to simplify it. But the other way to simplify it is for the refs to explain why they're making their decisions. Yes. So if the players get their heads around it, then maybe the spectators can as well. So I don't know, maybe we open up the ref mics a bit, but that might be something we need to talk Could about. Could be something in that. Mm. Uh, and I mean, mm. when you're watching games at home, we get, we get that benefit. So it's probably yeah. the one slight disadvantage of, of watching a game live at the moment. You're probably right. There's there's something mm. in that. The Super Rugby Commission seems to be um, a long overdue hot topic. Colin, I've, I wrote about it a month or yeah, maybe a month ago and it only yeah. seems to be being reported and being spoken about more, which which I think, as I say, it's, it's, it's overdue. We're all trying to work out how this new body is going to be formed. Um, you know, it was agreed and announced six months ago. Where's it up to from from your perspective? So I think um, both New Zealand Rugby and Rugby Australia, they there has been a little bit of dialogue going on, on and, and this focus or 
or, or scrutiny of where is it at has been quite helpful. It's it's um, mm. it's just it's sort of you know um, lubricated the conversation a little bit more, it's which is not it. <laughs> yeah. And I think it, it it needed to happen. So I think yeah. that there's there's two parts to it. Is is um, I don't think there's any debate about the need for. Uh, a super rugby focused um, yes. sort of leadership of the competition. I don't think there's any debate about that. Um, I, I think that you know some in the Rugby Australia camp might say that they'd probably like the commission to be a little bit smaller and leaner and um, and not necessarily as independent. Mm. Um, I think the New Zealand rugby perspective has been about um, you, you know we had an agreement. We're looking for the independence to bring some uh, different insights and perspectives and maybe yes. develop, therefore, um, better governance of the competition than what we've had, which has been, you know, tighter and leaner before. So so I think – I don't think we're far away, actually. I think the conversations of yeah, – right. we probably just all need to keep throwing a bit of fuel on the fire to get, <laughs> to, to get the bonfire burning. And then yeah. bonfire's the wrong analogy, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I do, sort of, I do. Yeah. yeah. Um, is, is, it, is it one of those things where it was sort of – it was it was ticking along, and yeah, there was another box ticked, and another box ticked, and all that. But it just wasn't quite. It didn't quite have the momentum it needed. But, but now that it is actually a bit more front and centre, you actually feel like you are getting closer. I think so, and I think for the clubs, both sides of the Tasman and and the two uh, Pacifica clubs, I think there was. Um, you know, hope that we would have something in play this year. Uh, we had a really good conference. Uh, the CEOs and the head coaches got together yes. last yes, year. And that's with some, yeah. yeah, some of this game stuff, um, yeah. shape of game work. A lot of work being done by the Aussie clubs on that, and they came very well prepared to the table. And, and there was, you know, it was really warmly received by the, the other seven clubs in the room. And then, so we ended up with some of this innovation landed on the table. And I think we probably could have gone a little bit further more than what we went but of course yeah, there right. wasn't the there wasn't quite the leadership of the competition because it yeah. goes back and then two national unions sort of throw it across the table from each other a bit and so i think um we were excited by just the nature of that first meeting and what dropped out of it and then wait 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 and now we're nearly at the end of the season and it's not quite yeah. there so we're talking 24 before we get any Real leverage out of this um, this independent or, or mm. you know focus commission. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So a bit of frustration emerged, I think. Um, oh, waiting I have, so no, long. I have no doubt because the risk would be that if if it heads down this path that perhaps RA are looking at it at trying to make it a bit smaller and a little bit less independent, then we're effectively back in the same spot that we have been for twenty five years, which is. Sands are effectively, which is a committee run by the national unions. Yeah, I think the only difference would be, that, and this is why I, I still hold out hope that we make some progress. Yeah. What's clear is that when you have people talking about Super Rugby uh, Pacific as a competition who live, breathe um, uh, uh, this competition, they love every aspect of this competition. You, you do get better. You get better perspectives. I've been. Yeah. Um, you see me bang on on Twitter a little bit about um, how people are misreporting or, or, yes. or telling untruths. Um, you know, we know in the New Zealand market, I'm, I'm not so familiar with the Australian uh, data, but I know in the New Zealand market, viewership's up, um, broadcast yep. viewership's up, um, uh, highlights viewership is up significantly, um, social media engagement is as strong as it's ever been. And so people are engaging with the competition and even mm. ground attendances have been strong. They've just been highly variable, you know, depending on who yes, the opposition yes. is. 
Now, um, so if we had somebody, and there's not enough people telling that story, the people that are telling the story at the moment is, you know, you get a comment from Mark Robinson or a comment from Hamish occasionally. Um, but other than that, it's, you know, someone like me waving the flag. And, and yeah. well, I want to focus on the Crusaders. Yes, um, yes. And, uh, and so we just need someone yelling and screaming on behalf of the competition and then starting to think, there's things we know that what we do as five and seven clubs here, so seven licensed clubs and five founding clubs here. There's stuff that we do together. We know if we could do it with 12, we would just end up better off. You know, I think even yeah. commercial things. So I, I just think, it, you know, a focus on, you know, the independence brings um, a different perspective, so a yes. fan engagement type perspective to it. Um, but just something <laughs> would yeah. be let's just get it operational and get a commissioner or general manager or somebody uh, yelling and screaming about the competition would be that would be a start point. Does it does it excite you that um, that that fan engagement, as you say, is up and that viewership is up? And and my understanding, and it's it's only a very vague understanding. I have to concede my understanding of the Australian figures is that they're probably a little bit up on last year, but but basically the same which is you know reasonably strong Australian derbies uh, are going to rate a little bit yeah. higher than the trans-Tasman ones I'm sure that's the same on your side of the ditch as well mm. it, is it exciting then that your that the fan engagement and all that sort of thing is going up without a concerted effort across the competition yeah. like it's, it's it's what you've managed yourselves effectively Oh, I think so. And there's probably in New Zealand, um, and this would be what I would suggest to um, anybody in RA or NZR who's, who's got concerns about this. In New Zealand, we have actually been collaborating <clears throat> as five clubs, five founding clubs, very effectively for a few years now. Yes. And then and then obviously we've got two newer partners in, in uh, Fiji and Dura and Moana Pacifica. And, um, and so that's enabled us to have conversations about what are some of the things that are in our control, don't yep. cost anything uh, other than, and, than collaborating effectively. So we've done some five club um, and we'll try and do some seven club commercial deals which um, so you get a sponsor starting to amplify the competition. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's not cost anybody any money other than having a sponsor who's interested in growing yeah. the competition. Um, two degrees, our telecoms company here has done an, an amazing job of growing both the men's and the women's game here, professional yeah. game, and um, and so they're amplifying they're amplifying the game and the the the, the data and the and the, the highlights and all those things without mm. much effort from anybody other than collaboration and, and concerted effort so i think i think that speaks to what the power of the commission could do you, mm. you know and um and the power of competition-wide sponsorship as well i think um yeah yeah we could see massive improvement do you, do you think we could get to the point where and i've i've known people who've worked for for sansa in in the past and um one of the one of the frustrations that was that was mentioned to me was that um even for an organisation that is that has a central product or two central products of the rugby championship, there was still and there still is now um, uh, a New Zealand Super Rugby handle. There's still a New Zealand Super Rugby website. There's there is SuperRugby.com, but you know there's there's a local localised versions of it. And so we, it's it's a lot better this year in terms of the TV production. It doesn't really matter where you're watching a game; it basically looks the same. So, do you think we are heading to the path where it could can be centralised social media fan engagement, all that sort of thing can can come with it? 
Absolutely, and it's um, and you, you get a lot more value. Part of this collaboration yeah. effort that I've talked about in the New Zealand context is uh, sometimes the clubs have been out there spending money promoting uh, Google Ads and those sorts yeah. of things, pr promoting it individually. It's quite a small loan voice. You put that spend together, you do it through one agency because um, you're not stealing each other's fans. That's the, that's the no. thing. And if you're going to be a fan of the Waratahs, you're probably unlikely to be a fan of the Crusaders. Um, yeah. You know, one of our sponsors who's returning home after spending uh, five years with uh, Caterpillar here, and or TerraCat as the company's known in New Zealand, happens to be a Waratahs fan who's heading back to Sydney um, yeah, right. this week. Uh, but I think we've got him in a Crusader shirt. But it's taken us five years of concerted <laughs> effort, and, and he's run the company that's been the sponsor. So. Joe blogs on the street isn't going to change. So yeah. again, if we start if, if we start connecting our spin together, we'll just get a lot more value out of it. And, and that goes twelve times versus you know five yeah. times or seven times. What sort of conversations do you have, Trans Tasman? I know you you had that that conference you talk about, but my understanding is that there is semi regular dialogue uh, back and forth. Yeah, we had a while when the as the JV was being formed, and there was a little bit of fear about whether or not the competition would actually get up. I think you know there was the, the grenades getting lobbed over the both sides of the ditch, um, and and I think the clubs this side of the Tasman came to the conclusion that well, we need Australia, and I think the Australian yeah. clubs said we need New Zealand. You know, yes. so we'd got our heads fairly firmly in the space that we, we we were going to be better together so what happened was that we were talking you know we'd have the occasional conference call and what do we need to do to influence the national unions to make some progress on this and and um you know where do we need to go and we we're all we we're all you know talking about the influence we could do locally but we're also starting to think about what we could do together that probably dried up a bit, ironically, after the settlement of the agreement. Everyone sort of took a sigh of relief. Um, and, <laughs> oh, it'll um, be fine. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's that's exactly what happened. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the, the the sad thing is we probably should have kept going. Um, yeah. I still talk um, often with you know my peers across the ditch, and and uh, I try and travel when when I get there and connect with them as well, and um, spend a bit of time with them and find out what's going on in their world. And they're the same problems. Um, mm. You know, our last time in Melbourne with Doc, the chair, and with Baden, the CEO, we spent a lot of time talking about the very, very same issues we're talking about. So, again, if we're around a table of 12, uh, you know, I think we'll can solve some of them mm. better than we can on our own. And, and the interesting thing there, mate, is, is even thinking about development pathways in that. I, I think if there's one thing that's starting to frustrate, frustrate me a little bit is how little time people want to give the competition to breathe yeah. you know it's two years in existence it needs some time to breathe teams need some time to develop so you know i hear this often oh we should have six in the finals and uh, no we shouldn't we're, 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 let's give everybody a chance um to go as long as they can in the competition uh, as far as they can mm. let's and let's accept that there's some development going on and there's some pathways needing to be um, grown a bit like the synapses in the brain. You know, you've got to let these things connect and yeah. grow. And then, you know, in three or four years' time, well, we probably won't be having the same conversation. Mm. I hope not, yeah. anyway. It's, it's, a, it's a fair point. And, I mean, last year, I think eighth spot was decided by the last game of the last round. And I think we could be in a very, very similar Same situation shit, yeah. this weekend. Mm. So mm. from a point of view of keeping everything alive for a lot longer, it certainly it certainly achieves that. Mm. Are there 
are the concerns that there might be duplication of administration are, are they are they valid concerns or do you think the commission can be structured in a way that it can just focus on super rugby and yeah there's really not too much duplication of effort i think i i understand concerns around you know doubling marketing teams and doubling this team and doubling that team but there's a lot of effort that you could do to make sure that uh, it doesn't happen. So Sanzo runs a travel company, right? And yes. and it's a very good travel company, actually, very good travel company. I know our team like them very much. Mm. Um, so so why would you change that? You know, Sanzar Travel can do travel for the for super competition and for the rugby championship. Um, there, there's it, it, draw construction. Um, you, you, you know, Matt and the team in at Sanzar, you know, they're really really clever at, at, mm. at pulling draws together. Now. What doesn't happen quite so much at the moment is that it, it gets constructed in Sansa. Somebody with a marketing edge or a, or an empathy for local derbies or an, yeah. an, you know how do they engage with the broadcasters and say, well, come on, give us a bit there so we can take a bit here locally. Yeah. You know, do grand attempts. That that dialogue's probably not going on to the same extent, and and because it's more. Um, you, you know, the Sanzar crew are putting a draw together, putting in as many factors as possible, but negotiating kickoff times and things like that, um, it'd be quite nice if somebody, uh, um, you, you know, with empathy for the club situation. So they yeah, say, well, yeah. hold it, you know, you need, to, you need to think about this, you need to think about that. So I, I don't think there's a lot, I think there's a lot of stuff that can carry on being done the way it is, or there's not substantially more capacity or effort required but mm. i think there is a couple of key roles i think you know the one uh, one being the commissioner and and i think marketing yeah. effort and again you can outsource marketing we do a lot of outsource marketing here in the club you know we don't have the marketing department like a bank would have but yes. we have a couple of key roles and then we we use an agency and so there's nothing to stop that occurring um mm. so yeah I, th I think the fear is probably um not as yeah, it, it doesn't need to be as as uh, frightening as, as as what it's being made out would be my guess. There, there would still be, you know, lo localized marketing. There would still be marketing efforts made on 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 in, in New Zealand locally and separately in Australia. That that would still happen. But the 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 overall narrative, I think, of you know, this is the the best provincial competition in the Southern Hemisphere, and for these reasons, you've got these this number of All Blacks and this number of Wallabies and this number of flying VGs and all. All that is competition wide, and and I think that's got to be a benefit. And and the shape of the game, the stuff that we did yeah. in our conference last year, which was a great one off, um, and the fear is it doesn't happen again. Um, and so yeah, shape of the game. I think even for for officials, you know, there's probably a little bit. I, I think they're doing a good job of officiating similarly. Um, but but you know, the officials probably at some some ways probably are keener to get a World Cup spot than they are to referee. <laughs> yes, certainly um, this year. Yes. Yeah, than they are to referee um, uh, on the back of instruction from say the commission. Mm. Um, so yeah. So I think I think there are some things that would be uh, local to each market, but but again there'd be some things. I'm sure that there'll be some stuff that you'd say, well, do you know what actually that's gonna that, that's gonna resonate in the Australasian market. Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, you know I'm I'm not a marketing expert, but I'm I think that's one of the reasons that we look for independence. We wanted marketing expertise on, 
But uh, again, you can insource that capacity if you yeah. um, or capability if you need to. Rugby on the roar. Colin, um, Harry can't join us on this chat, but one thing that he definitely did want me to ask, and he'll be disappointed if I don't, is to simply say, what makes the Crusaders tick? Like, if we had to peel away at the onion of the Crusaders, what 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 do we find at the heart of it? So it's quite interesting, Brett. We had the um, had our inaugural Hall of Fame luncheon uh, on Friday, so um, you know we replicated some experiences that we'd had going to long lunches in Australia, and so we we did that here and, and inducted um, uh, you know three people into our Hall of Fame: Justin Marshall, Todd Blackadder, and Wayne Smith into our inaugural. Yep. Hall of Fame, and and um, and so it was a really good opportunity to sit down and reflect on on and listen to them reflect on their experiences. We had seven hundred people um, at, at oh, the wow. Tapai Convention Centre, and and the hope is that we we could have had a thousand easily. It's so a big um, event, yeah, it was a great event. And sponsors, we took some tables to public; they sold in an hour. So I think we'll be able to do a thousand uh, next year. Wow. Um, but the, again, when you the, the stories that came came back, I think this, like all sport, you tend to play it because you enjoy it, and it's about yeah. collaboration and connection and all those things. But you then, certain teams in certain times, you play for something bigger than yourself, and so I think that's one thing for this club here is that, ironically, some of the adversity that we've encountered as a city or as a region. Um, has actually stood us in good stead because it yeah. gives it gives the players, um, you know, something to play for. So the, the earthquakes were the classic, um, you know, that great season 2012 where the Reds beat us in the final at Brisbane. Um, but actually, you, you know, that, that was probably a great performance statistically because it's all away performances that year. And yes, the players will yes. often, they'll always refer back to that and they'll always talk about, um, how much they enjoyed it. So they played for something bigger than themselves. They really enjoyed representing their community. Um, and, and I think that's ubiquitous across all teams. The, the Drew, I love representing Fiji. You know, they yeah. just absolutely yeah. love it. And we all do. We yeah. love representing our place. So so I think that's, you know, tapping into who you represent and, and why. Um, and, and I hear lots of stories post-earthquakes about people being inspired when the house is munted. Um, difficult to get out of bed each day, and then they see the Crusaders travelling around playing pretty well that year and going, if they can do it, I can do it. And so, you know, getting up and going to work when you've got no heating, middle yeah, of winter, right. and, you, you know, you've got sediment halfway through your house. It's sort of, it's quite demoralising unless somebody's inspiring to get out of bed. So that bigger than bigger than yourself is quite important. Mm. I think the other thing is um, we've, we've always been strong on development here. So... Yeah. Um, you know, people think that we go out, wait till all these All Blacks are selected, grab them, and then put them in the pot and put our arms <laughs> around them, and and, and, um, and and that's not the case. They come in as uh, not fully formed players, but plenty of players with potential. And uh, so Levi Amour coming back from Wana yes. Pacificus, uh, you, you know, one of the reasons he wants to play for us is he wants to be an All Black, and he thinks his best chance of preparing himself to do that is to play. Uh, in, in our environment. And you see that with a lot of young men um, and hopefully women in our Matatu team in future, but young men come through and decide to join the environment, work hard, get to know the culture. So we aim for 
70 to 80 percent of our our roster to come from our academy um and and then um and so and so they leave school or last basically leave school or first year of university um and then you know 90 percent of those athletes that go into the academy play professionally um only 50 percent play for us um so many play for other clubs um but they um they, they learn how to play the game and conduct themselves and behave and so then you can sprinkle a bit of something in the 20 percent but that i think that development um development and understanding culture uh, concept of um uh you, you know playing for each other and playing for something bigger than yourself yeah. um and, and then you know attention to detail that would be the other thing i've noticed about this this place is um all the coaches have a real strong attention to detail and um yeah yeah add all that up and hmm. simple when you say it like that isn't it well (laughs) it it, it, it is interesting brett we've been to um so angus gardner who's who was crusader number seven and he's he's our gm professional rugby yeah angus and myself have been out to some sponsors before and presented to them on some of the work we do on culture and helping people feel like they belong somewhere and and how how conscious and thoughtful we are about those processes and we'll often you know we'll get in the car afterwards and go to drive back to back to the office or you know back to Christchurch if we've been away and we'll often look look at each other and say they could have got that off Google. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> there's there's no rocket science. There's no yeah, rocket yeah. science. But I think when you tell the story and you put the story together of all the little bits that you picked up off Google and it's executed, it's not just a word on a wall. People are behaving that way. Suddenly, you you, you get out the end. So the, I don't the, I don't think it's a secret source. Um, mm. I, I, I think uh, the, the interesting spending some time in Melbourne. You know, obviously we've been. We've been there twice this year, so yep. I've been able to spend a bit of time uh, and then send a little bit of community game and that sort of thing. And one of the things I like about them is that, that, they, that they've, you know, recruited their coaches, r- rolled them for another three years, um, that they've, mm. um, that they've w- they're working really hard on connection to community. Um, they've got a couple of feeders. I think they've got one in the hospital cup. I can't remember which club, and then one in the shoot shield. Yeah, um, which might be West up in Brisbane. I think. I think there's a yeah. very strong connection to to West, but yeah. So they've got these connections, and they're starting to sort of build this stuff underneath. And I think if you look at them as a club, um, forget the results at the moment, and look at the process. Yeah. You'd say process wise, they've got better and better and better yeah. over the last three, you know, two or three years. And so I, I look at them and I think, you know, I, th- I think there's been a lot of investment in process and you've got to, you know, stand by, keep keep faithful and keep supporting them. TARS are the same. I think they're, you know, they're starting to work harder on their development systems and, and things like that. They've got a coach that, you know, he's archetypal uh, yeah. New South Welshman and he'll be around for a while and, um, uh, and a, a good coach. And I think, you know, works on belonging and, you um, and you know, I, I just think you know, I, I, I think I can see a couple of clubs there if they stick at it. Um, the challenge is you'll quite often get managers or um, or governors or boards of directors will come yeah. in, get frustrated, throw it all out, and want to start all result. over again. Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah. So mm. how talk to me about the challenge of 2024 for you, having to now rebuild your coaching team completely. It's I mean it's fantastic that you. Have now produced an all black coach, but in doing so, you've also now produced three all black assistant coaches. So you need a whole new team yourself, now, don't you? 
Yeah, and a um, and a uh, an attack coach over at Leinster as well in the last two yeah. years, and Andrew Goodman's gone to Leinster. So, um, so the good thing about, I mean, again, it's another one of those cliches straight off Google search. Um, is, is you've got to be you've got to be development led or development focused, yeah. and you've got to believe in it and do it. And so they always have, you know, Wayne Smith when he picked up his award. Um, uh, uh, the, the other day, and um, as the cloak um, uh, uh, was put on his shoulders, um, he he um, he he's recounted stories about um, one exposing the club to external influence is always the pressure to get better, and two being very focused on the development of individuals. And so I think that's core to our DNA that yeah. you, you develop individuals. So if you look at our coaching group, we've now had Tamati Ellison. Um, yep. Or have a, a, a bigger leadership role uh, going forward next year. He's he's coaching Wellington in the MPC again, and and you know I think his the head coach in the MPC last year for Wellington, Leo would say you know that guy was amazing last year. We've seen him grow as a coach. Um, uh, Dan Perrin um, it, it reminds me of Jason Ryan um, yeah, of a right. few years ago, and uh, and then James Marshall's come in who's got. He's got a slightly razorish sort of um, perspective yeah. about uh, where we're going. So, so we've we've got three. Um, we're reasonably close to, uh, to to the fourth seat, and so so so. And then a lot of the management group, so uh, medical uh, management team, S and C, and that sort of stuff. We haven't been uh, cleaned out quite so much there. So, right. so I think what that says to us that the, the broader DNA should should be reasonably solid. So. Um, we're not planning on. I mean, we hope to to win the championship this year, and all the efforts going yes. on that. It's it's a slightly rockier road to get there, but um, but that's the same plan for next year as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. it's yeah, really interesting, really interesting. What what role? And, and you've given me a bit of an insight going into your, your Hall of Fame conversations and and everything around that. What role does history play there in the clubs? And and I suppose, like, it's not just the you know, the, the 11 titles and a couple of Aotearoa um, titles in there as well. But, you know, what does the maiden season of 1996 do to, to, to shape an organisation like the Crusaders? So I think that's, that was one, you know, Crusader number one, Stu Lowe, spoke at the event um, the other day, um, Richard's cousin. And, um, yeah. and um, you, you know, Stu's a, 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 you know, he's straight off the, you almost almost dig a hole and pull him out of the ground. He's sold of the earth, sort of a, a, a bloke, you know, just um, big hands on him. And, um, you, you know, he's just a wonderful human, really warm. And um, and the pride those guys have, all that, that group. So, so they, you know, they, they were the ones that had to sort of, um, you, you know, work their way through that year to figure mm. out that they needed to do something the next year. And 70 or 80% of them, were there when they finally won in '98. So, so yeah. it's not like uh, there was a significant change in personnel. There was some change in personnel, and I think those people took pride in what they did in that first year, and then then what they've done the year after. So we had a table at the event which had some of the non-playing, um, you know, a few injuries and things like that, um, and then the rest we had the alumni. Uh, sort of 80 to 100 alumni, I can't quite remember, the, the, uh, at the event as well. And the, the respect that each group has for each other is palpable, you know. So, yeah, right. um, that's interesting. 
Yeah, so they, um, you know, it's, it's actually interesting. We auctioned off a, because uh, we're trying to raise money for I Am Hope, which is a charity yep. that uh, does counselling for kids' schools in, in, uh, in Aotearoa, in New Zealand. And um, one of the prizes that was being auctioned was a, um, a kicking competition with um, Richie Moanga. But of course, who's in the audience but Dan Carter? So the, <laughs> the auctioneer starts off, the auctioneer starts off and he goes, right, what will I be bid? I can't remember the number. Let's say it's $1,000. What am I bid on this special kicking competition, the kicking session with Richie Moanga? And a, and a hand goes up in the background, and it's Dan Carter. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so in the end, Dan and this other bidder uh, ended up bidding against each other, and then it's, then they were throwing Dan into the kicking competition. But that, that just shows the how much respect and uh, that, yeah. that each has for the other. And they do the, – the, Razor's done an amazing job of making them feel at home. And, and, and if there's one thing that came out of Friday's luncheon – was a lot of these alumni coming back and feeling like they're still part of the place, mm. and so and feeling really really connected to the current playing group. So I think that sense of belonging, you know, we probably spend more time on making sure people feel like they belong than anything else, and yeah. uh, and I think that's really really important. Mm. What um, what number Crusader are you up to this year? What's your, what's your what's your most recent debut on? So 279, I think um, I think John Foa might have been 279, 280. Yeah, right. Yeah. Okay, mm. okay. So the, I'm, in, I'm in Canberra. The, the, the Brumbies are up to, to 250s or so. So it's, you know, the numbers are numbers are similar from, what are we, 26, yeah. 27 years on? Yeah, we've got – we had 24 centurions in that lot. So, yep. um, so I think – our number of centurions is probably a little um, bigger than most clubs. I, I think they'd have. So I think we're twenty-four. I think it was twenty-four. We counted on Friday, twenty-four centurions, and um, but yeah, I think the numbers are a, a bit similar in terms of the, the capped volume. And I actually think that says something about the Brumbies as well. You know, um, they're always there or thereabouts, aren't they? Yeah. And they always look connected and cohesive. And there is something. There's a a club culture in there, um, yeah. sort of they battle away at, at, at one level, you know, that everyone looks at Queensland and looks at uh, New South Wales and the battlers from, uh, uh, but they <laughs> they do more than that. They do it with a really, you know, in a really connected fashion. So, mm. yeah, and it's been a concerted mm. effort um, this this year, mm. particularly with um, with Stephen Larkham coming back to, to Canberra to, to, not reconnect because they already were connected, but to really, yeah. to really build on that. And so, um, yeah, like they've used 39 players this year with 12 debutants. I think they're up to. So, uh, and you know, Saturday night was probably the maybe the certainly worst home game of the of the year. But the you're right, they're they're, they're battling. They're they're there thereabouts. You mentioned the um the the feeling of connection, the communion, all that. What sort of what sort of lessons did you learn out of the the logo change a few years ago, and and how do you view that process now a few years after the event? So again, we talked about it briefly on Friday. So uh, obviously we had the terror attack, and um, yeah. and um, you, you know that caused a little bit of angst. And and one of the challenges there was that people started to you know the name Crusader caused um, people were making connections, and then there was almost like. Um, uh, trying to apply shame to us or blame yes. to us. Yeah. Um, so, but but what, by going through the process of having to stop, take a breath, and then look back, 
it enabled us to go back and look over 25, 26 years and find out yeah. what was it about this club. So we did, we had lots of research. We had, um, you know, there was surveys done, 30,000 people responding to it. And, and, wow. and, you know, a day or so we had um, a, a thousand, you know, um, members uh, surveyed, uh, sponsors, um, uh, you know, the external firm that came and did a really, really thorough job. And they found that there was sort of four things about this place that they discovered. So one was this concept of connection, Two, about resilience or betterment, always trying to be a better version of yourself tomorrow than today. And but they said it was in your water. And then this other thing about identity. So why does a razor feel comfortable being himself in our environment? Because our environment lends itself to people being, you know, exactly who they are. Mm. Um, and so, you know, he might go to some other environment being seen as a bit different and um and, uh, you know, why does Campbell Johnson come out uh, as the first gay all black in our environment? Because yeah. he feels he can be everything who he is. And um, so I think that they were sort of themes that came through. We decided to double down or to reclaim the meaning of the word crusader. And so we do this yeah. thing, the crusade with heart now. And so yeah, yeah, you yeah. turn the logo on its side and, and we it's use hard, our yeah. brand. We use our brand assets to... Um, to uh, raise money for other causes, so we we raised over a hundred thousand dollars for um for um I am Hope Foundation on Friday, yep. um sixty five thousand dollars for um a Child Cancer Foundation in an earlier event. So we don't collect the money; we just use our assets to promote the, the, yep. these causes or crusades, as we'll call them. And then um so what. What what it did do is it forced us to go back and and you know we evolved the, and adopted the tahu and replaced the old uh, knights swords and crosses yep. with a uh, with something that speaks to connection um, and um, and and we adopted a fakatoki ma pango ma kaiti to mahi which means with black and with red we can get the work done and black is the color of infinite potential or the color you see when you look at the night sky. Um, when you look at an infinity and the red's the colour that chiefs wear um, because they were red feathers. You put leadership. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, because everybody else wore brown feathers or chiefs wore red feather cloak. You put chiefs or, or leadership together with an infinite potential. You can get the work done. So that story was sort of born out of our, our journey through the uh, looking back to see who we yeah. were. And so I think it's made us made it richer um, uh, yeah. than it was. It was a rich history club anyway, but um, it just gave us a bit, it's added a bit to better that, sense yeah. of identity. Hmm. But then I do notice that the 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 horsemen are, are back pre-game this year. You, you, or that we brought them back. So straight after the uh, mosque attack, we took the horses off because they yep. were they were ridden by knights adorned in armor with swords and mm. and and crosses on the shield. So that's all gone. Um, so the, the 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 riders nowadays wear um, that they carry a flag with the colours of the six provincial unions that make up the ah um, uh, yes yeah that, that make up the um, our region that we represent, and they um, and they they're adorned in the in uh, clothes of plains plainsmen. So people who yeah, would um, sure. you know so if you if you took the flag off the guy and said right go out there and muster those sheep. <laughs> um, that's what that's what it would look like. Yeah, so right. you know, yeah. a drives a bone and that sort of thing, and the flags of the of the six provincial unions. So, so yeah. again, reimagining some of yeah. our old customs and cultures. Mm. Were they were they well, well received to, to have them back riding around the ground? Uh, the, the day they came back, um, uh, I was in the crowd that day. I choked up, but I thought it was just me. 
there was tears and the, oh, the cheer right. was unbelievable. It was just yeah. unbelievable. Again, because I think it was people, you know, they looked different, but there was something the same. And I think people got really, really excited by it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Looking different, but but something the same is um, mm. is the the Lancaster Park rebuild something that's easily summed up in two minutes, or is that an ongoing uh, political oh, thing? No. Uh, no, no, we're, we're, we'll be in the quarter to 2026, so we'll play in the oh, 2026 season. Um, not not the whole season. We'll probably miss the first game or two. Uh, Bessex Wattpack, a great Australian firm, are, um, are, are leading, and it's designed by, um, what's her name? Um, they did the Suncorp redevelopment. Oh, yes, um, yep. Uh, uh, um, so... So yeah, so the, the and it's the horizontal infrastructure is in place, verticals going up as we speak, and they're ahead of pro ahead of plan. Oh, okay. So we we confidently expect to be in there. It's going to be when it's up, it's going to be stunning. It is just mm. amazing. So um, um, it's a bit like the, it's twenty five plus five, yep. so you can bump yeah. in five. Um, but there's a, a pad down the end which we'll use for um, you, you know sort of a, a, a social area. If we're not oh, playing yes. a final, um, yeah. but we're already all the suites are gone already, um, oh. and um, and we've got waiting lists of people trying to ask for membership. So, um, so yeah, so it'd be quite nice if they're all paying to be members in our current stadium. <laughs> but I think they're <laughs> they're all waiting for the new one. So yeah, so very exciting. Mm. When when you when you came into your job in twenty eighteen, it would have been a, a hot topic yeah. then. Um, you'd be that. The, the current stadium, well, the old rugby league park has has got you through, but there'll be a point where you'll be pretty glad to be out of it too, I'm sure. Well, I th- we are now to some extent. It's actually, it's a, a if you go to a game there and it's a good day, um, so like the game on, on the weekend, you know, weather was nice, 15, yeah. 16 degrees, uh, sun was out for the first part of it. Um, the stands were reasonably full um, and, uh, and it's close to the action. So people... Yes. You know, really, really enjoy it, and um, and you know, everybody who goes sees what a wonderful time they have. Um, but you know, the seats are you know three fifty mil centres or whatever they are, rather than five hundred. So all, all of those specs were designed to last for two years, and they've had to last for ten. So yeah. so I think yeah. And, and when you're sitting like this in a in a seat, <laughs> it's it's just well, not much fun. I can imagine that a cold night at the rugby in Christchurch is not unlike a cold night at the rugby in Canberra. So maybe it's actually yeah, exactly. not a bad thing. Yeah. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Look, the um the old running joke about Super Rugby, Colin, is that it's 12 teams playing a 15-week comp plus finals to determine who gets beaten by the Crusaders in the final. So who are you beating in the final this year? Who do you think is who do you think is going to be there with you? Well, actually, it's interesting, Brett, if you go back and you actually look, uh, two years ago, I think there was a um, a couple of moments against the Hurricanes, um, a tackle against the Chiefs, I think, last year to get us through to play the Blues in the final. I think, and I think some of these games, um, you know, people seem to think that there's, it's a foregone conclusion, but there's just moments in them. We've been lucky yeah. with some of our moments, you know. We, we make some luck and then we get some luck. And they're just those little moments. But, I, I, I mean, you, it, the Chiefs are looking pretty pretty staunch, aren't they? I mean, they, they just look, we talked before, their ability to tackle and defend uh, and then just, you know, bring out those moments of brilliance. The Blues, if they're on, can be uh, stunning. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I just hope they don't get on. Um, and, <laughs> 
and then and and you know last thing I think last year the Brumbies it was a a drop goal a fluky drop goal essentially that separated the um uh, or, or um, if the drop goal had gone over I think it was a drop yeah. goal that separated the two teams so you know they'll be there or thereabouts as well um, so I, I think you know I think you see the Brumbies in the mix just hope they get some cohesion over the next couple of weeks. Um, I think the Chiefs will be there. Um, actually, look, there's five or six teams in there that yeah. could knock the others over on, on any given day. So um, I, I wouldn't mind – what I wouldn't mind seeing happen from a, a club financial perspective is um, maybe something like the Highlanders get up and we get to play them in a quarter. I think that would be good for the crowd. <laughs> um, I could see where you're going <laughs> then, then the Blues or Hurricanes yeah. ends up having to play the Chiefs and knock them over. So yeah. we end up with a semi-final against maybe the Blues or the Hurricanes. And then the, then the winner of that of the other one has to come down here and play a final at the Orange Theory. Yeah. Um, I reckon, uh, yep, yeah, I'd tick that off as a win. Um, but uh, <laughs> I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Chiefs are going to be hard to beat at home. Mm. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. Mm. We will see how it goes. Mm. Look, Colin, it's been a it's been a fascinating chat. Um, Harry will be annoyed as hell that he hasn't been able to, to join mm. us, but there is good reason for it. Uh, look, best of luck over these last uh, few weeks of the season, and, um, and and hopefully this 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 commission will find the level that it needs to be at, and we'll get and we'll get that done. It's been great to have a chat to you. Thanks, Brett. Been great to to meet with you too, mate. Thoroughly enjoyed it. The roar. Harry, fantastic to hear from from Colin Mansbridge. I really enjoyed that chat. Um, I know you've listened back to most, if not all of it, by now because you've had time to do that. Um, just really, really interesting. Really, really. I, again, as I mentioned in the intro, we've been blessed with timing this year, um, and that was a really good time to have that chat about the formation of the um, of the commission. But also, we did get a little bit of insight into what actually makes the Crusaders tick. Yeah, it's a mystique, isn't it? Uh, and yeah. props make props make the best CEOs, apparently. <laughs> I think the same skills that they have to fortify and stabilize the scrum, maybe it translates, you know, they, they have to keep things going. The consistency of the Crusaders is, is still one of the great marvels of sports. I mean, you actually yeah. look at it and side by side, and uh, it's, not, it's not just because of resources or money. Or, you cannot explain it away. So yeah. um, it's something magic, yeah. Yeah, it really is. It really is. And uh, a really good chat. And obviously the Crusaders have timed their run beautifully yet again because that's what they do every year. It's it's in there. Winter is coming. Yeah, yes. it's in there. It's Yeah, that's it. Like, it's winter's coming. Turn the thermostat up. Crank the finals machine into, into action. The finals machine um, was cranked into action in Cape Town where Munster 19 defeated the Stormers 14 to take out the United Rugby Championship, um, and this is going to make you sad talking about it for two minutes. I mean, the sangria in uh, Barcelona helped me ease the pain, <laughs> but, but I will say this. So you know as a golfer that you, if you follow a simple rule and practice that you never three-putt, and you make three-putts to be the great enemy of life, you'll have mm. good rounds, right? Mm. If you have no three-putt, you'll have a good round. But I'll go a little further. If you have a four-putt at all, you're done. Your round is mm. done. It's finished. If you're playing in competitive golf, a four-putt is literally why you lost the tournament. In finals rugby, a charge down 
if you allow yourself to be charged down. This happened in both finals this weekend. Yes, yeah. It is one of the worst plays in rugby. You can you can you can sometimes recover from a lost lineout. You can sometimes recover from an intercept even, but a charge down is uh, it's the great sin of finals rugby. You just cannot you cannot allow it. And yeah. in both cases, they were avoidable. Um, Monty Limbach is ambidextrous with his foot. I don't know if you call it that. And, um, but he was indecision. He didn't know. It was yeah. a left, right. And it almost killed him. He should have been a right footer and just done it and banged it. And yeah. the game was probably won. Um, same thing happened for Sale. Um, I think he got charged down. Carpenter did. And then they counterrucked him from the ensuing ruck. And they, they scored. And that scored changed the outwards. whole match. Yeah, yeah, it did. It did. And so that was... That was that which we'll actually get to in a second the premiership yeah, grand final but it's, it's a reminder of yeah. how the, the error the big Absolutely. error down the stretch does it. yeah yeah the margin for error is is really fine really fantastic atmosphere though at the yeah. stadium in cape town wasn't and, it like the little yeah. pockets of red was was really really cool um so yeah like i they had two thousand be... they said between two and three thousand people in the stadium but i heard there was maybe Five to ten thousand in city, uh, yeah, Munster, right. Munstermen, and Munster is a really good traveling team. The yeah. Irk, as Rian Low calls it, is um, it's really got some traction because some new rivalries are being, yeah, developed. yeah, 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 and yeah. no, I completely agree, completely agree. And the Stormers, uh, they well, they run second after um, claiming their first title last year. It's Munster's fourth mm. Irk slash Celtic slash Pro League <laughs> title. However, we want to call that. Uh, the Premiership flashes. decider. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the Premiership uh, final, as you mentioned, Saracens 35 defeated Sale 25 at Twickers, their sixth Premiership title. And as I said to Colin in the interview, just a game that had, like, the last 30 minutes, particularly, was just some of the best rugby I've seen this year. It was just a fantastic game. Owen Farrell looks a little bit ominous, doesn't he? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Just... This he's looked like he's you're capturing some form. Um, I just thought it was a solid game to watch. I really enjoyed mm. it. Yeah, I was, I mean, yeah. I was completely neutral. I really didn't care. No, 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 still no, no, enjoyed no. it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there were certainly times where I was thinking, Sale are going to win this. Sale actually mm. come back and win this. Oh no, we've turned the momentum's gone again. And that's how it was for that last half an hour. It was just absolutely mad. So yeah, a, a great, uh, a great grand final. To wrap up the English season, uh, Super Rugby Pacific Round 15 is on this weekend, um, and it's going to be an interesting one. There is no doubt about it. The last round of the regular season, and by my count, mate, six of the five of the six games can shape the top eight and the playoffs in some way, shape, or form. We kick start off with the Blues and Highlanders in Auckland on Friday evening, followed by the Brumbies and Rebels in Canberra. Then on Saturday afternoon, we have the Drua v Queensland uh, in um, in Fiji. The Hurricanes host the Crusaders in Wellington. The Waratahs host Moana Pacifica in Sydney, and that's the only one that won't have an impact. And then the Force. Uh, host the Chiefs over in Perth to finish off the round. And there's five really interesting games, not necessarily for the head-to-head contest, but for where each team can finish potentially with a win or a loss. It will also allow me to take the wooden spoon of the raw tipping panel and stuff it down Jeff Park's mouth in his throat, make him gag on it. Because he's been giving me so much grief all season and I finally... I think I'm right there. 
You are and he's, well, and he's cursed with his rebels love. He has to pick the rebels. I think he's in trouble. Yeah, Jeff. Unfortunately, he came a little bit undone on the weekend. At the same time that you've had a perfect, your first perfect round for the year, um, which was very timely. So all up, our situation is that I trail our mate Digger by four. I got four for the weekend. You got your perfect round of six. So our gap is close to five. Respectable. Things could happen. Respectable. Okay, <laughs> fair enough. Kidding panel is back Thursday. A little bit of news over the last seven days, mate. Um, as Colin alluded to, uh, Moana Pasovica's best player, Levi Amua, has signed to play with the Crusaders for the next two seasons. And oh, that's kind of got mixed reviews, hasn't it? <laughs> it just turns sorry, out sorry. the best. The best player gets scooped. It just feels like we're back to the back to the old times. Yeah, yeah, and it will be interesting to see how he slots in and 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 you know what what players he's very good. Might lose. He is, he is very good. good. He I is can very see good. An all black coach knowing how to use him a little bit like um, yeah some of the crash ball runners you know that they yeah have, absolutely they have, yeah. but mm. there's going to be question marks asked about it because the whole point and the whole being of Moana Pasifika exactly. was to develop players for Tonga and Samoa. Not more All Blacks and But it was always part of the NZRU setup in a way. They, yes. they always had that kind of that kind of footnote asterisk. Yeah, <laughs> but, yes. But if it's someone really, really good, we might want to take him. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah, we'll see how that plays out. Former Wallabies coach uh, Dave Rennie has landed a new job in Japan after being named head coach of the Kobe Steelers for next year, which is great news. Wayne Smith. Um, as, as mentioned by Colin um, in, in this chat, uh, has been named performance coach of the Black Ferns and the All Blacks in a, in a new role uh, within NZR that involves mentoring their head coaches. And that feels like a job that Wayne Smith was probably made for um, and, yes. and much better to have him inside the tent, as, as they would say, than, than out. Michael Hooper will play his final home game for New South Wales on Saturday night um, in Sydney when they... Host Moana at um, Expensive Source Stadium. Will Jordan has re-signed with the Crusaders and uh, NZR until 2027. Uh, over in France, Toulouse and La Rochelle finish the top 14 uh, season is the automatic semi-finalists. Um, and they'll be joined by Lyon, Stade Francais, Racing and Bordeaux rounding out the top six. So we headed into playoff territory in France um, from this weekend, I think. And actually... Yeah. I, I note La Rochelle already had the second star above their uh, their logo yeah. on the jersey this weekend. Just a just an early pre-finals flex, isn't it? Very <laughs> cheeky, on. very cheeky. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Eddie Jones' international season has begun with a win. His Barbarians enjoyed a 48-42 win over the Steve Hansen-led World 15 at Twiggers on Sunday. So just 100 points in a Barbarians game. That sounds about right, doesn't it? Yeah, I didn't watch that one. Oh, on, I'm just a backtrack on that. Michael Hooper has to be one of the most just amazing players over a long yeah. period of time. Gave everything for club and country. And it's almost like he doesn't really get much uh, hoopla. But yeah. look, that, that boy knows how to play. Well, the an interesting thing there is that all the reports and all the signs are that he's going to have a run of sevens he, he wants to have a crack at going to, going yeah. to the olympics and, i could see him i could see him can, playing very good absolutely I, yeah. he can he can probably afford to lose a bit of the 15s yeah. bulk and muscle that he's had to put on and he's still quick 
in open space, yeah. he's still got gas, so it could just work. The Junior Wallabies uh, survived two late yellow cards to take a 34-26 win over the New Zealand under-20s in Wellington on Monday, which is fantastic news for the for the next wave the, coming the through. Baby Bledisloe. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. The baby blood only um, it, it only holds about twelve cans instead of the full forty. Uh, forwards coach Dan Palmer will depart the Brumbies and the Wallabies after the Rugby World Cup. He's taking up a forwards coach role with the Leicester Tigers and mm-hmm. uh, and Dan McKellar, friend of the pod in the Premiership. And look, that's I'm not at all surprised that Dan McKellar went for him, but that's a really good. Uh, role for um, for Dan Palmer to, to get a bit more experience, and he's standing as one of the best young forwards coaches in the world. I think will only improve, and he'll come back a um, a better coach as well, no doubt. And the last point I've got made is that London Irish could join Wasps and Wasp and Worcester in being suspended from the Premiership, uh, and it could happen as early as Tuesday. The RFU had set a May thirty deadline to prove that a proposed takeover by an American consortium is viable um, with the exiles have got reported debts of 30 million pounds. And that's, that's terrible. And it's going it to cost is. 200, 200 people their jobs. So it's yeah. inexcusable. And we have to look deeper in that. Cause I don't want to have another year go by and there's three more clubs. Uh, no, exactly right. Yeah. Exactly right. And there's, um, you know, London Irish has been a, Post Super Rugby hangout for a number of Australian players, uh, Rob Simmons, Adam Coleman, I think, amongst others, are there currently. So yeah, we'll see how that all plays out. But mate, sorry, you look like you were going to say a point. I heard, I heard Amish is going to head a commission to look into the London Irish situation. Oh, good. A, a, a far-reaching commission with no powers watered down. I'm sure. Yes. yes, indeed. But mate, that is us done for this episode of the Royal Rugby Podcast. An episode that we had to do in two parts, but you know, I think we get the job done. Don't forget, Harry and I are both on the socials, and do leave us a rating or review if your pod platform allows that. We we thank another couple that rolled in over the weekend to maintain our five star average too. We really uh, really appreciate it. Um, do like, follow, subscribe on your pod platform of choice guarantee that you see every new episode as it goes live it's the raw rugby podcast with me brett mckay and harry jones every week on the raw.com.au australia's biggest sporting debate home of all your favorite rugby analysis opinions and conversations thanks for listening we'll be back in your ears next week Play with us. Eventually, after a couple of buses. (laughs) (laughs) I was so far away from the airport, I was worried.